DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents A Biblical Way of Praying the Mass with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher is a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. He's the author of numerous books on the spiritual teaching of St. Ignatius of Loyola, as well as the teachings of Venerable Bruno Lanteri, including The Biblical Way of Praying the Mass, The Eucharistic Wisdom of Venerable Bruno Lanteri, the book on which this series is based. A Biblical Way of Praying the Mass with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome back, Father Gallagher. Thank you, Chris. This is a very important part of our celebration of the Mass. This marks the transition from the Liturgy of the Word to the Liturgy of the Eucharist. And it begins by our offering, our gifts. So we move now into the part of the Mass, as as you mentioned, and as the Church calls it today, the presentation of the gifts. The older and still used word would be the offertory of the Mass. Well, for Venerable Bruno, it's always the same question. How do we really pray this part of the Mass? What will help our hearts to deeply engage with this part of the Mass so that it is transformed from just a few minutes, maybe a hymn is being sung if it's Sunday, and we see the gifts being brought up in procession, the servers bringing over the bread and the wine, the priest saying quietly his prayers transformed from just a brief part of the Mass to which we're present in a certain way to something that our hearts really engage in and really live on a deep level. And it's really important because at this point, we are entering into the real deep part of the Mass, the Eucharistic prayer, which is now beginning, the Church speaks of as the supreme part of the Mass. So, Venerable Bruno's question is the same. How can we really live this? And I'm going to introduce this by looking biblically at the figure that Venerable Bruno calls to the fore for the offertory or the presentation of the gifts. And so we begin in Genesis chapter 14, verses 18 through 20. And we have this mysterious moment when Abraham, still called Abram at this point, before the change of name, has been victorious in battle and this figure Melchizedek comes out to meet him. Melchizedek, we're told, is both a king and a priest. And you can already see how scripturally he's going to be looked at as a foreshadowing of Christ. And strikingly, the gifts that he brings to Abram are bread and wine. And also, the biblical commentators will note that nothing is said about his ancestry. You know, so often biblically we get so and so was son of so and so, son of so and so. This figure simply appears, and he appears outside of the Levitical priesthood. So there's a kind of mystery about him. Uh, He comes without ancestry, without beginning, uh, without end in a certain way. And when Melchizedek meets Abram, he says to him, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, the creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who delivered your foes into your hand. And Abram gives him a tithe or a tenth of all that he possesses. Now, that's the event early on in the scriptures, but it's not forgotten as the years unfold and as salvation history unfolds. So in Psalm 110, verse 4, we read, uh, and this is speaking now of the king, 
The Lord has sworn and will not waver. Like Melchizedek, you are a priest forever. So the king is both a king, but he is also, in some real sense, a priest and is understood to be so in the way that this mysterious figure, Melchizedek, was both king and priest. And then when we get to the New Testament, Melchizedek is understood to be a foreshadowing of Christ, who is our king and our priest, as we said. So in Hebrews 7, we read, Like Melchizedek, king of Salem and king of God Most High, met Abraham when he returned from his defeat of the kings and blessed him. So Christ is like this. And Abraham apportioned to him a tenth of everything. And so now a biblical exegesis, as it were, on Melchizedek. His name means first righteous king, and he was also king of Salem, that is, king of peace. And now it gets closer to Christ, without father or mother or ancestry. And so you get the eternal priesthood of Christ uh, foreshadowed here. Without beginning of days or end of life, he simply appears. Nothing is said either about his death. Thus made to resemble the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. So in all these different ways, um, outside the Levitical priesthood, without beginning or end, offering bread and wine, both king and priest, Scripture understands Melchizedek to be a prefiguration of the fullness of priesthood, which will appear when Christ comes. And this is made explicit in Hebrews 5. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered, and when he was made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, declared by God high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. So that's the biblical figure of Melchizedek, who plunges us deep into the priesthood of Jesus. So when we get now to the this point in the Mass, the offertory, the preparation of the gifts, Venerable Bruno writes this, At the preparation of the gifts, I will seek the sentiments and the heart of Melchizedek. There's a second variant of the text we're commenting on, which he wrote later. The first time he wrote it, he wrote it for himself. He wrote it a second time for his oblate priests. And there's some just interesting variants. They're essentially the same text. But in the variant, he speaks of the heart and the sentiments of the priest Melchizedek. Uh, very much highlighting uh, the priestly image of this man, Melchizedek, and therefore the priestly character of Christ. Now, what that's going to mean is that as we pray this part of the Mass, both the priest at the altar and the people in the pews are going to be invited to ask for something of the heart and the sentiments of the priest who is Christ according to the order of Melchizedek. And that's why I say we're plunged now into the real heart of the Mass. I really love speaking about this because if we can get this, if we can get what it means that we are invited to pray this part, and not only this part of the Mass, but this is the beginning now of the sacrificial part of the Mass, you know, that that's the offertory, the offering, the gift that you see there, that we are invited to live this as priests, then we are really most deeply going to understand, and please God live, what it means to be at Mass. Now, we need to refer to the Second Vatican Council here with its uh, striking, clear, and powerful teaching that we are all priests. 
not just the priest up at the altar, but every one of us is a priest. Now, there are two different kinds of priesthood, but they are both equally sharings, although in different ways, but they both equally share in the one priesthood of Christ. The priesthood, what the uh, church calls the priesthood of the faithful or the common priesthood of the faithful, is part of what is given to us through the sacrament of baptism. So everyone who is baptized shares in the priesthood of Christ in what is called the priesthood of the faithful or the common priesthood. The priest who is up at the altar then later receives a second sacrament, which builds on that first sharing in the priesthood of Christ. And he is ordained through the sacrament of orders to the ministerial priesthood, such that he can now uh, offer the sacrifice to the mass, hear confessions, and all the things that go with the ministerial priesthood. So these two forms of the priesthood, the council teaches, they differ in essence, but they are both very real forms of priesthood and both share in the one priesthood of Christ. Now, what I want to do here is to take, it's just two sentences from the council. And this is from the document on the um, dogmatic constitution on the church, Lumen Gentium, in paragraph 10. And uh, we'll go through it. And then it may be well to go through it a second time, because if we, th- this is what we really need to get a hold of if we are really going to pray the Mass in the way that the Church invites us to do it. And Venerable Bruno now is inviting us to do it. This is too dense of a text possibly simply to be simply glanced at and read. You really have to stop here. So the Council says the baptized. So the Council is now speaking to every one of us, every member of the Church. The baptized by regeneration and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So that is, that's a brief description of the sacrament of baptism. Are consecrated as a spiritual house, which is a biblical image from Paul, St. Paul, and a holy priesthood. So if you've been baptized, part of the um, unfathomable riches of baptism is that you were consecrated as a priest. You are a priest. And we can't really pray the Mass without really grasping and getting a hold of that truth. So the baptized, by regeneration and anointing of the Holy Spirit, are consecrated as a spiritual house and a holy priesthood. Why are we consecrated as a holy priesthood? In order that through all those works which are those of the Christian, which involves everything that includes our life in the world, So our our family relationships and time spent together and interactions, raising children, taking care of elderly parents, uh, all that's involved in uh, a family home and and property and upkeep and finances, our work, everything that's involved in in the work world and relationships with others and the various tasks that we perform and everything that includes our engagement in the world so that through all of this, They may offer spiritual sacrifices. And this is what we really need to get a hold of. Who are you as a priest? Baptized into the common priesthood of the faithful. You are a person who is amazingly, incredibly given a share in the priesthood of Christ. And your priesthood and the sacrifice that you offer as a priest is everything in your life. Your life in the world as the uh, all those works which are those of the Christian, which you are invited to offer together with Christ in his self-offering 
as a spiritual sacrifice. So that through all those works which are those of the Christian, they may offer spiritual sacrifices and, so there's another aspect to this priesthood of the faithful, proclaim the power of him who has called them out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so another aspect of the fact that we share the priesthood of Christ is that our lives, if we live them in the way we're called to live them, are intended to proclaim the power of Christ, who has called us out of darkness and confusion and sin into the hope of eternal life, into a life of grace, of communion with God and the hope of eternal life, and to proclaim that power to others. Do our lives do that? Are we living our priesthood in the way that the church understands our priesthood is meant to be lived? All right, so that's the, call it the theological truth. I mean, that's the basic understanding. What's the consequence? Therefore, all the disciples of Christ, and let's note the all, it's every one of us. It's you who are listening to this. Therefore, all the disciples of Christ, persevering in prayer and praising God, so these are key parts of our priesthood of the faithful, prayer and then a life which praises God. We spoke about praise earlier should present themselves as a living sacrifice. Now, gifts are being presented in this part of the Mass, the presentation of the gifts. You aren't just watching servers and other people in the congregation bring things to the altar to be presented. That's an external action which symbolizes something, more than symbolizes because the bread and wine are actually going to be transformed, transubstantiated, you know, um, as the church says. So yes, that's important and that's taking place, but you're not a spectator. You are presenting gifts too. And this is the heart of what it means to participate at Mass. So all the disciples of Christ should present themselves. That's, that's, the, that's the sacrifice. That's ec- the exercise of your priesthood. You present, what gift do you present for sacrifice yourself? And that means all those works which are those of the Christian, as the council has just said. Therefore, all the disciples of Christ should present themselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Make your life holy. Make it pleasing to God. Yes, the just one falls seven times a day, as we've said. We're imperfect and fragile and all the rest of that. But if you are striving sincerely, to make of your daily life all those works that are those of the Christian, something that is holy and something that is pleasing to God, then you have a sacrifice to bring when the gifts are presented. You bring that life to the Lord. Now, we don't bring it because it's perfect. We bring it, we do our best. We bring it not only because we're called to do that, but because precisely by bringing it there and uniting it with Christ, we are going to receive the power to transform our lives into a spiritual sacrifice which will be holy and pleasing to God. So that we not only are, given, um, are, are called to this, but it's precisely through, uh, not only, but um, in its supreme exemplification, it's precisely by uniting the sacrifice of our life to that of Christ that we are also given the power increasingly to make that sacrifice become holy and pleasing to God. This is so central to what it means to be at Mass. 
I'd say almost this is the key. There are other things. Knowing, for example, in the liturgy of the word that Christ is present, present speaking to his people, of course, the reception of communion, praising God in the glory, and all the other things that we've said and will be saying. But this is at the real center of it, this living the Mass in this way. And I think once you see this, you begin to understand why people like um, uh, Zélie and Louis Martin, for example, I'll think of Zélie when she could hardly even walk, she still needed to be there at Mass uh, because she understood really what was taking place there and its place in her life. We'll return to A Biblical Way of Praying the Mass with Father Timothy Gallagher in just a moment. Discerning Hearts presents a very special first-time retreat with Father Timothy Gallagher, entitled Hope in Difficult Times with St. Therese of Lisieux and her family. Are you challenged by the daily struggles in your life? Have your plans for your life changed in ways you never expected? Are you fearful for the future of children, family members, and other loved ones as you see them struggle? Has your trust and faith in God been shaken by illnesses or even the death of loved ones? This retreat is for those who are looking for hope in difficult times. The in-person retreat will be taking place at the beautiful St. Benedict Center in Schuyler, Nebraska, with daily spiritual conferences, time for personal prayer, daily Mass, opportunities for confession, and daily holy hours will all be available to you and set in the backdrop of the beautiful, quiet atmosphere of the St. Benedict Center in Schuyler, Nebraska. And for those who can't make it in person, we've just recently added a live webinar option, which will feature all of Father Gallagher's conference talks. The retreat will be taking place between April 7th and the 10th. To learn more about the in-person and webinar opportunity, visit discerninghearts.com. A prayer for the intercession of Venerable Bruno Lanteri. O Father, fountain of all life and holiness, you gave Father Bruno Lanteri great faith in Christ your Son, a lively hope, and an act of love for the salvation of his brethren. You made him a prophet of your word and a witness to your mercy. He had a tender love for Mary, and by his very life he taught fidelity to the church. Father, hear the prayer of your family, and through the intercession of Father Lanteri, grant us the grace for which we now ask. May he be glorified on earth, that we may give you greater praise. We ask this through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We now return to A Biblical Way of Praying the Mass with Father Timothy Gallagher. You You know, what I found um, a paradigm shifting for me, personally, as you were saying that, is that so often I have, and maybe others as well, we enter this part of the Mass and we're feel we're moving towards our reception of something and i'm not trying to and when i say something and only communion or it's about what i will be receiving and nurturing me i have failed often more times than i can even imagine father gallagher 
in the vision of what am I offering first? What am I giving? And not just the material or the, the tithe, which is very important because that's an aspect of my life that I share. But it's even more so, what am I, how am I presenting myself? What am I offering to the Lord? And then in a relationship, and that's what faith is ultimately, you know, this, uh, the Lord receives it and then brings back something for me. That dynamic, it's how our relationship is lived. I offer myself to another and they offer themselves to me. It's a dynamic. So it's a very, isn't that the heart of how the Trinity, <laughs> the Father loves, the Son loves back, the Holy Spirit. I mean, there's always a dynamic action. It's not just about one receiving and one taking. It's always, it's always a movement, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yes, and this is for all of us. I think all of us, and I'll include myself very much in everything you've just said, this is something in which we're all invited to grow. And the dynamic is, yes, offering and receiving. And the beauty of it is that when we make the offering of our life in this way to Christ, that he may bring it before the Father, we get it back. But we get it back transformed. And we get it back with new grace and new energy and new strength. And we feel that sometimes in a special way. We leave Mass ready, feeling nourished and so forth. So if God asks, he only asks in order to give and uh, to give back a hundredfold, um, you know, what we give to him. I think the beauty of what Venerable Bruno is doing here is that th this is a lot of theological thinking. It can seem abstract. Of course it isn't, but it can seem like that. And what he does is to put a face on it. You know, Melchizedek, ask for the, the heart and the sentiments of the priest Melchizedek as a prefiguration of the fullness of priesthood in Christ. What we're really asking through the um, person of, of Melchizedek, through thinking about his heart and sentiments, we're asking about the, the one who is the high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. We're asking for the heart and sentiments of, uh, of Christ as priest. But this is what I love about his method. What he does is to take what may seem remote theological truth and put a face on it reveal the heart with which we're called to live it. And again, it's, as I've said before, it's simple, it's an intuitive flash, uh, and it makes it so livable. And that, that's what's beautiful about this. And just take some time now, slowly and prayerfully, in the light of all that we've said, to absorb the truth of this part of the Mass, of what it means that we are invited to participate in Mass as priests offering a sacrifice. God, my loving Father, when the priest and servers prepare the altar and place the sacred vessels upon it, grant me the heart of Jesus, our high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Help me prepare to offer my life with all its joys and struggles to you as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing in your sight. Father, when the gifts are brought in procession, help me to present with them my life, my desire to grow closer to you, my family, my hopes, my fears, my concerns of health, the financial issues I face, and help me to offer all of this with Jesus in this Mass. 
Father, when the priest says over the bread and wine, Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, the wine we offer you. Grant me a heart like that of Jesus, who offers himself in the form of bread and wine. I join the offering of my life with that of Jesus on the altar, and by your grace, I make this offering from my heart. Father, when the priest washes his hands, I ask that you wash and cleanse me too. I ask for a heart made pure, a heart prepared to pray the Eucharistic prayer, to live the consecration, and to receive the communion that will follow. Father, when the priest says, Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God the Almighty. Father, help me to respond from my heart. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. Make my sacrifice, too, the offering of my life acceptable to you. You've been listening to A Biblical Way of Praying the Mass with Father Timothy Gallagher. To obtain the book on which this series is based, A Biblical Way of Praying the Mass, The Eucharistic Wisdom of Venerable Bruno Lanteri, visit EWTN.com, the website for the publisher, EWTN Publishing. To hear and or to download this conversation along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit DiscerningHearts.com or you can find it within the free Discerning Hearts app. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this program has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our mission of bringing free spiritual formation material to the world. But most of all, we hope you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for A Biblical Way of Praying the Mass with Father Timothy Gallagher.